Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. So today I want to talk about burdens reaction. What is a burden? Burden is nothing less than an external weight that you take upon yourself. Uh, uh, let me put it like this. My 300 pounds is not a burden for me. I, I'm walking around. I'm good. Everything's fine. But if there was something extra that you put on me that hinders my progression, then that's a burden. Anything else that you put on me that I can't lift up, I can't move, that is a burden. It hinders me from being productive in life. Many of us are carrying around a lot of burdens, some of them mentally, some of them emotionally, some of them spiritually. And as a result of it, we are broken. We are weighed down. We lack the ability to be productive because you're taking on a burden that has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. And bigger than that, it has nothing to do with God's plan for you. As a result, it is not designed to destroy you. Whatever God wants for you is designed to bless you. So let me help you understand it. I want to make sure it's clarified. The devil exists to create burdens for humanity. That's the enemy's job. If you don't believe me, go ask Job. Job had everything going for himself. But because he was doing so good, the devil said the only reason Job is worshiping you is because he has everything. And so the devil says, let me take away his family. Let me take away his livestock. Let me turn his wife and his friends against him. And as a result of it, Job found himself to be this man that was after God's heart, that was faithful, that served him, that was holy beyond anybody else that was seen at that time. He found himself to go from being in the best position of his life to the worst position of his life because of the fact that he was burdened down. Everything in his life just seemed to go wrong. The enemy designed those burdens to break him. But can I help you understand that God designed those things to bless him? And the reason I say that is because the, even though Job lost, God turned right back around and gave it to him again. This is the biggest problem with many of us why we can't push through life. Because when we get burdened down, we allow it to break us right. instead of allowing God to use it to build us. Uh, we allow it to, to hinder us from being everything that God has called us to be. And as a result of it, it puts us in a position where we lack the ability to experience everything that God has for us. Today is all about burdens reactions. Today is all about burdens reaction. What can burdens do to your life? Because I want to make sure that you understand something today. Your decision on how you handle burdens will determine what you receive from God. I want to make sure that you receive that. See, this woman in the text, she had some issues. Her son died. She was a widow. And when Jesus comes upon her, she is weeping. She is crying. There is a lot of problems going on in her life. And today we're going to use this young lady to expose how the enemy tries to destroy her, but how God can use her current situation to bless her. And before I even get to that, I want to make sure that you understand something. Whatever God does to you and through you and for you is not just about you. I need you to really hold and grasp that because oftentimes the reason that we fail to remain steadfast and strong when life begins to hit us hard is because we think everything is about us. The world has turned against us. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. I'm in this all by myself. Nobody listens to me. And when we have that mentality, then things really get hard because you don't know who you can turn to. It's bad enough when you feel like you can't turn to mama and daddy. It's bad enough when you feel like your friends are talking about you behind your back. But when you reach a point in your life where you feel like you can't even reach out to God, that's a dangerous place to be. Here this woman is, this woman is, and she has lost her only son. I love how the Bible begins to clarify that and make sure that we know that. And the reason why this is important, because what you have to understand is the context of the, where these people were at that time. 
uh, women were not like our women today. They didn't go out and provide for themselves. and do. They were always known by who they were married to or who mother they was. And so as a result of that, when the Bible says that she had lost her only son and she was a widow, it puts it in the context that she is a woman all by herself. She could have had daughters, she could have had friends, but none of that would have mattered because of the simple fact that she lost the essence of someone to provide for her and to care for her. And as a result of that, here it is, the Bible tells us that Jesus finds her weeping. I want to make sure that you understand something. When we look at burdens from the perspective of breaking, I need you to understand this first point. Break, breaking happens when we allow our burdens to bury us. Catch this. Breaking happens when we allow our burdens to bury us. I want to make sure that you know when we allow is bold and red because you have the power to determine if it's going to break you or build you. Breaking only happens when you allow a burden to bury you. It's essentially as if uh, 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 you had an individual that was fully functional, fully functional, could, could do everything, could walk, could talk, could scream, whatever it is, and somebody just tells them to lay down on the ground. Matter of fact, don't just lay down on the ground. Lay in this hole. It's six feet. And they go lay in the hole. You can't get mad when somebody begins to put dirt on you and cry and say, God, why did you let me die? They buried me alive. The reality is they didn't bury you alive. You buried yourself alive. You put yourself in that hole. You allowed them to put the dirt on top of you. And, and see, I remember a story that old pastors used to say that there was a one time uh, where it was a young man that had a, a horse that fell into, uh, into a well, a horse that fell into the well, and they thought that they would never be able to pull this horse up out of this well. They couldn't pull this horse up out of this well. It was too much. It was too heavy. And so they said, you know what? The best thing to do for this horse is to bury him alive. Just bury him alive. The dirt will suffocate him. He'll die. And, and, and what they begin to do, they begin to dig dirt and dump it into the well. They dig dirt and dump it into the well. But something unique happened. While they were digging dirt and dumping it to the well, every, every once in a while it'll land on a horse and he would shake it on off. And before you know it, every time the dirt began to land on the horse and he shook it off again, he would then put that same dirt that they were trying to put on him to bury him, then he would then just step on top of that dirt. Before you knew it, what was designed to bury him had built a platform to get him back where he needed to be. I need you to understand something today, that we are allowing too many things to break us down when God is saying, baby, just stick into it. I'm using this thing to build you up. I know you you feel like because you've been in bad marriages and things ain't worked out for you that you're never going to find anybody again. But I'm telling you, I'm using this thing to build you up. I know you think just because you've had bad credit one time and it seems like you can't get out of this situation that you'll never get another chance to buy a home again. But baby, I'm telling you, I'm using this thing to build you up. There's not a bad situation that happens in your life that God can't turn that thing around. But the thing is that you can't allow what is designed to bury you break you. You got to be like that horse. You got to shake that thing off. You got to get to a point where you say, you know what? So what? Life is hard. So what? People are talking about me. So what? It feels like I'm all by myself. I'm going to shake that thing off. And before you know it, you reach a point where you say, you know what? That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Man, I remember when I used to be here, but look at where we are now. Look at what God has done for me now. Look at where God has brought me from. Can I help you understand something? Testimonies don't exist without a test. You have to go through a trial. You have to go through. The biggest problem with us as believers is we want everything easy. My coach used to say it like this. No pain, no gain. If you're not willing to put in the work, then what makes you think that it's worth it? Oh, you got to shake them things off. But today I want to make sure that you understand when the burden is designed to break you and breaking happens when you allow the burden to bury you, how do we allow 
burdens to bury us. There's three simple ways. I want to tell you the first way. The first way that we allow burdens to bury us is there is a mental breaking that happens in our lives. We call this stress. This is the first thing that happens to many of us. Life hits hard and we begin to worry the Bible says that she was weeping. Uh, she was weeping because she lost her son. She lost her son. It reminded her that she lost her husband. She lost her husband. It reminded her that she didn't have anything or anybody to provide for her. Stress is a dangerous thing. Some of us don't understand that the reason why many of us are being held back is because we're stressing about things that are beyond our control. I am, I am so jealous of the birds that don't have to worry about where they're going to eat. Do you understand? I, I stress about bills that, that I have to pay. These birds wake up every morning and it's just like, I don't care where I'm going to end up today. Oh, it's cold in Texas. That's unusual. I'm going to go to Mexico for the week. They, they don't worry about those things. The worst thing that God has given us is a mind to make decisions because we don't trust God the way other things trust God. I think about a tree. A tree doesn't say, oh, I don't want to be planted by concrete today. It just takes the environment that he's in and it begins to create roots. I've seen plants actually break through concrete. Can you understand the concept of that? Man has destroyed it so it wouldn't be there, have paid something over it, and yet and still the plant says, I'm strong enough to break through what you put on top of me. I wish he would have gave us a mind of a plant. Most of us will probably be way more successful than we are here because all a plant does says, God, what do you want me to do today? The sun shines, I bend over towards the sun. I only want to be what you want me to be. The biggest problem for us as people, humanity, believers, is that we stress way too much. That was the worst thing for me as a pastor. Stressed about, is the lights going to be on? Is this going to work? Is the sound going to be perfect? I wonder how people are going to feel about worship. Such and such. I used to worry about all of these little things. You know what the reality is? is I stopped worrying about them, and I just started controlling the things I had control of. I'm just going to make sure people know I love them. I'm going to make sure people know I genuinely care about people. I want to make sure people know that God has really given me a vision of where he wants me to take this church and what he wants me to do for this city. And so I can't worry about the things that's not perfect right now. That's God's problem. That has nothing to do with me. I'm going to do what God has created me to do. That's all I can do. And so we have to get to a point in our lives where we wake up. So what bills is there? I know. I know they there. I got the yellow slip. I got the pink slip. So what? I'll pay you when I pay you. Y'all ain't never been through what I done been through before. Them people used to call my phone. I ain't hide from them. Listen, man, I don't get paid to the 15th, man. You got to wait. I ain't in that position right now. You have to get to a position where you have that boldness to say, you know what? Ain't nothing I can do about it right now. What you going to do? You going to come take my house? What you going to do? You, you got to either wait till I get it because what? I can't give you what I don't got. I think my daddy used to say it like this. You trying to get blood out of a turnip. It ain't going to work out for you. Why stress about it? Now, catch this. Some of this burden we put on ourselves, that you need to be concerned about it. But why stress about it? The reason why we should get to a point where we don't stress is because we trust God to have a plan for our life. See, if you're in control of your life, then you got every right to stress. That's where many of us fail, because we're in control. We deserve every right to stress. I took a trip uh, with my dad yesterday. Uh, my wife was telling y'all, how we took him out for barbecue and uh, for his birthday. Yeah, don't judge me. That's what we do. We eat barbecue. And, and so we went out to, way out to McKinney. Drove way from down here, went out to McKinney. Great place uh, uh, called Hutchins Barbecue. Amazing. Hutchins Barbecue. You know about it. Amen. Hutchins Barbecue. Got an all-you-can-eat barbecue. And this ain't no raggedy barbecue. This is good barbecue. And uh, so we went there, pastor didn't get all you can eat. I backed off. I just got some ribs and turkey and, and sat back. But, but we went there, and the whole way there, my dad was like, man, you ever been to Hutch's Barbecue? This is supposed to be a surprise for him. <laughs> like, dude, what's wrong with you, bro? Stay out of my mind, man. And I was like, yeah, I heard of that place. And yeah, but we going to a nice, I heard it's a nice little steakhouse up here, man. Let's go. Check this place out. Yeah, man, this is a, but it's on the same way as Hutchinson Barbecue. Hutchinson Barbecue. I'm like, yeah, okay. Cool. I made the exit and he's like, yeah, Hutchinson Barbecue right up the street from here. And it's like, I'm like, Dad, uh, okay, I know, Hutchinson Barbecue right around the corner. 
I got it. And we got to the, to the light where Hutch's barbecue was, and he, he's sitting there pointing. Yeah, see, there it goes. <laughs> right there. That's Hutch's barbecue. And so I try to play it off, right? I just keep driving like, okay, I see it, Daddy. And I make a loop around the corner, and then we end up coming. I'm thinking I done threw him off, and we pull back, and he pulls, we pull up in the driveway, and he's like, I knew you was taking me to Hutch's barbecue. <laughs> The whole hour drive that it took us to get there, he didn't stress one bit because he understood that he was with his son, and in this time, his son was in control. He, he knew that his son had a plan. His son had already prepared him and said, Dad, I'm taking you out for your birthday. It's the 60. I want to do something amazing for you. And he didn't, he didn't bother me. He didn't plague me. He just sat over there and made a little small talk. Yeah, Hutch's barbecue. Oh, yes, that's such this. Oh, I knew you was taking me to Hutch's barbecue. Because he understood, number one, I know my son. All he likes is barbecue. And he ain't going to drive 70 miles for a steak. And, and so he, he understood what the concept was, and so he trusted the process. He didn't sit over there and stress and like, I ain't ate in three days. I've been waiting on you all day, such and such this. Because he said, you called me earlier. You told me what you wanted to do, and I trusted that you were going to do it. I told him I was going to be there at 4.30. He wasn't outside at 4.10 waiting on me because he said, my son said he would be there at 4.30. Many of us don't fail to understand is that once God has said he's going to do something, forget worrying about when he's going to do it. Just trust that he's going to do it, and he's going to do it on time. This is where many of us fail is because we lack the ability to trust God. Stress is evidence that you don't trust. That, that's, that's, that's it. I'm sorry if it hurts your feeling. The next time you go biting your nails and blowing up everybody's phone, asking for help, you really need to understand stress is evidence that you don't trust. Can I tell you this? Because God don't need you to call nobody. He can call them for you. He just needs you to get in the position that he's asked you to be in. So that that person that he's already prepared for you can provide to you. Don't believe me? Go ask Elijah. It was a drought. He needed something to eat. God told him, go to this place. There's going to be a widow woman. She's going to take care of you. He gets there. The woman is like, no, I really don't want to do it. Elijah said, listen, this is what God told me. And she's like, okay, let me pray about it. And, and she leaves and comes back with everything that he needs. And the reason why she's obedient is because she finds out that her blessing is a tithe, is attached to her obedience. That's where many of us fail to realize is that the blessing is attached to obedience. And because we are not obedient to the will of God, we push the blessing away. It's not that God takes it away. We push it away. Away. Every time you choose to say, God, I don't want to do things your way, we put distance in between God's provision and our position. Every time we say, you know what, we want to do things our way, I'm going to make this provision, I'm going to do this, we put distance in between God's provision and our position. I don't know if, about you, but there's been some times in my life where I've made some bonehead decisions and I'll, I'll try to make things happen without trusting God. And the minute I make that decision, I find myself in a debt of something that didn't work out. And then something turns around and happens in my favor uh, that I'm like, man, if I would have just waited, I wouldn't have had this problem. Everything would have been better. Everything would have been right. I, I can testify right now. Husbands, listen to your wife. I'm trying to help y'all women today. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, my wife, we was on this search to find a new house, and I got tired of going through the process. Y if y'all ever bought a house, you know how it is. You make a bid, somebody overbids you, and then they don't even close on the house, and then they call you back. I don't want it now. I found something else. I made a bid. You don't get that one. And so I got frustrated with the process. So we just went to a neighborhood, and they were building new houses. There's enough houses for everybody. And, and I said, you know, know what? Just get this one and that's it. I want it. When is it going to be ready? I got to get out this apartment. Give me what I need. And so we get the house. I'm all excited. Oh, it's so nice. The floors look beautiful. Look at this countertop. This is better than marble, baby. This is that court stuff. They say it's better than marble. And we get it. And it, out, it ain't out the month of being there. Man, this backyard too small. I need more space. I can't even play with my kid. What? Why did we get this house? And she just looked at me. <laughs> I told you to wait. But because I was impatient, I created my own problem. 
So now I'm trying to put my problem on her. Now I'm like, well, you know what? They'll be finished developing a neighborhood in three years. By that time, the market ought to be a little bit better. We'll sell the house and buy another house. She's like, you think I'm going to pack up again in three years? Just because you made a bad decision? So now I got to make sure I make enough money to pay somebody to pack up because she already made it clear that she ain't touching another box. This, this, this is going to be where she wants to be. And, and, and then it, it comes to the point where she says, you didn't trust me when I told you. Just wait. It'll be okay. Just trust me and wait. And so I begin to stress about it. And so I put myself in a situation that I don't have to be in. The first way that we know that we're in a breaking position is that we mentally break first. We begin to worry. Second thing that we understand, not only do we mentally break, but we emotionally break. And emotionally breaking is all about how you feel. And the first sign that you know that you're in a bad place is when depression hits you. I know somebody in here already said, I ain't depressed. I ain't never been depressed. No, you just don't know the signs of depression. Uh, Many of us struggle with depression. I didn't know I was depressed at one point in time in my life. I just thought I was tired. I just thought I needed more rest. I just thought I wanted to lay in the bed. My wife had to say, show me something and send me something. See, you isolate yourself from the family. You go into the room. You close the door. You lay across the bed. Uh, you watch TV. You don't talk to nobody. That is a sign of depression. Depression can be shown up in so many different ways. You can want to eat all the time. You can choose not to eat all the time. Depression can be shown in so many ways. Anytime you are acting out of your normal way, you are struggling with the sign of depression. And what we have to understand is that as believers, we can get depressed. We can get stressed. We can get worried. And that emotional toll is one of the worst things that any one of us could go through. That emotional toll. And see, the biggest problem with depression is what it causes you to do as a believer. You begin to pull back from the church. You begin to pull back from the church. Forget the fact that you stress, because when you stress, you come. God, I need you to make something happen. I need you, Lord. Work right now, God. You come down to the altar. You lift your hands up. All of it happens when you're stressed. I, I can tell when husband ain't acting right. It, you're stressed. Something's happening. I understand. The Bible tells you to come. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. But when depression hit, you withdraw. That's when I begin to blow up your phone. Hey, where you been? I hadn't seen you in a little bit. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned. Because you've reached a point where you're like, you know what? I'm in this by myself. You know, I just, I don't care what happens. I'm not even expecting anything anymore. And that's the biggest trick of the enemy is to get you to a point where you begin to isolate yourself from other people. When you isolate yourself from family, from friends, from people who really love you and care about you, when you isolate yourself from, from the church, you know why? Because the reason the enemy wants to is- want you to isolate yourself, because he wants to get more further and further in your head. You're not isolating yourself like Jesus did and going to the Garden of Gethsemane and fasting and praying and saying, Lord, work on my behalf. You're not isolating yourself in your time. What you're doing, you're doing is you're, you're withdrawing and you're saying, woe is me. And before you know it, you begin to have thoughts that you normally wouldn't have never had. Wonder what would happen if I just drift off the side of the road. I'm worth more dead than I am alive. All of these thoughts begin to happen. And and I, I know it's not okay to say that you've been depressed, but I can. I was so depressed at one point in my life that I went to the doctor for hurting my shoulder at work. And the doctor simply said to me, hey, Chris, is everything else okay? And as much as I wanted to say, yeah, doc, everything is good, tears began to flow from my face. Tears, a woman that I didn't even know, tears began to flow from my face. I said, no, things are not okay. I don't know if I want to stay married. I don't think I need to be in this relationship. They, they can have so much more without me. I don't need to be pastoring. And yes, I was depressed and pastoring at the same time. Yes, I was saved and depressed at the exact same time. And the reason is because I allowed stress to overcome my life and it puts me in a position where I thought I was in it by myself. Nobody saw what God was trying to do with me and through me. And as a result, I withdrew myself. And next thing I know, I found myself in a place where at least God said, boy, if you don't open your mouth now, this will be the end of you. And yes, the doctor put me on medicine. Something had to balance me out. 
Something had to get me to a place of reality. Yes, I needed to go to counseling. Nothing's wrong with it. The biggest mistake that we do is we try to tell ourselves that we don't need help. If you didn't need help, God wouldn't have said in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Let me make him a, a helpmate. We're not created to do life alone. So I found myself in this position, but luckily I had people surrounding me that cared enough about me that they were willing to help me build myself back up to shake it off. Luckily, my pastor knew what I was going through, and he said, man, I need to talk to you every, every week. Call me every week. Every Sunday after service, I need to know what happened. He told me, you need to start journaling. Write things down. Get it out of your head. Talk to somebody else about it. It put me in a position where my marriage got better, my parenting got better, my work ethic at work got better, and I'm a better person now as a pastor because of the simple fact that I've been through something that was designed to break me, but I didn't allow it to bury me. I allow it to build me. I know we look at each other and we think that we're all okay, but many of us are struggling mentally. We're struggling mentally, and we need help. And I know somebody saying, baby, it's going to be okay. I'm going to pray for you. I got you. I understand. But sometimes I need a little bit more than prayer. Sometimes I need somebody to watch me because I can't even watch myself. Do you forget that our Lord and Savior, on the night when he was, was preparing to be betrayed, he had to go and pray, and he called the disciples to what? Watch him. And when they would sleep on the job, he went to them and said, y'all can't even just stay up and watch me. Don't you know my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak? In other words, I want to do right, but there's part of me that says I just need to go back and be who I want to be. I know it's cliche to say this, but sometimes it was fun being a sinner. Sometimes things... Things seem to be all right, though. I didn't have as many roles and stresses and responsibilities. And sometimes the reality is that when I gave my life to God, things got harder. But that's when I got to hold on to the Word of God that says those who suffer with me shall reign with me. Uh, that's when I got to get to the point where I understand that I'm not in this by myself because he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said he'll never put more on me than I can bear. And so it helps me understand that this is just a stage that I can get past. But I have to be willing to do so. I, I have to understand that mentally I cannot break because I'm stressed. Emotionally, I cannot break because the enemy is trying to get me with depression. And the last but not least part I want to make sure that you understand is that if the devil doesn't get you mentally, he doesn't get you emotionally, he will attack you physically. I just this morning prayed for two people in their back because the reality is they came in here uh, knowing that God needed them to serve, knowing that I'm in a position where I'm trusting them to do something and I don't want to stress about it anymore. I don't want to lead worship anymore. I don't want to be running to the front door greeting people anymore. And, and, and I know, isn't it amazing that how Sunday it seems like everything don't feel right? Knees go to hurting, back go to hurting. All of a sudden I feel like I ain't got enough rest. I need... I mean, forget the fact I stayed up to midnight watching a fight last night. I, I ain't get enough rest. The day that you have to give to the Lord, the day that you set aside to give to God, it seems like everything. I ain't got enough gas. Everything goes wrong on that day. Uh-oh, we got a gas one in the building. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It seems like that day, everything that goes wrong. Isn't it amazing how the one day that we set aside for God, everything goes astray? I'm not, going, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings in here, but can you imagine being in my position and having to give them all seven days? Imagine how many things go astray. All seven days? Because if we can be honest, when I was in y'all's seat, I was saved, but I can give them all seven days. He got Wednesday and Sunday, sometimes Saturday if I was working with the youth. But when you have to give God all your time, it seems like everything goes crazy. Everything goes crazy. And you have to get to a point where you take care of yourself physically. I hadn't always been 300 pounds. I ain't going to stay 300 pounds. Just a while ago, I was 330. Thank God I'm 300 now. <laughs> Things are happening. I remember when I was 180 and my wife thought I looked like a crackhead. I do remember. Yeah, and she has apologized for saying it. I remember. But I will get back right. I'm telling you that. I'm just saying, 
Because if you allow things to attack you mentally and emotionally, it begins to take a physical toll on your body. You begin to eat unhealthy. You don't take good care of yourself. Your blood pressure is up, diabetes. All of these type of things happen. People think that these are just natural things that happen. Can I help you understand something? That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities? Everything that we're going through is a trick of the enemy. And if it's a trick of the enemy, then catch this, God can fix it. That's the reality is whatever it is that you're going through, God can fix it. God does not create broken people. And so as a matter of fact, if there's anything broken about you, you just have to go back to the manufacturer. God, there's something not right about me. I need you to fix this. But I, I needed you to understand all of these principles, the mental, the emotional, the physical, because if you allow yourself to be broken, to be buried by your burden, these are the things that you will endure. You will be stressed. You will be depressed. And you will be unhealthy. If you allow yourself to be broken, but I'm glad that as believers, y'all ain't going to do that. I'm always glad for the carryout. Let's wrap this up. Here we go. So we know the results of breaking. Let's talk about the results when breaking doesn't work and blessing takes place. Because the thing that we understand, part two, even though enemy desires to be the, the, the burden to break you, God desires for the burden to bless you. And what we come to understand is that blessings happen when we all, when we allow God to handle our burdens. The second principle that we really need to understand, the second phase of this message is blessings happen when we allow God to handle our burdens. Again, those bold words is what? When we allow. I want to make sure you understand something. God is not Debo. He ain't going to take your burden. You have to be willing to give him your burden. You have to be willing to allow him to hold fast to your burden. You got to say, God, listen, there's too much weight, homie. I need you to have this because I can't do it by myself. Can't do it. Listen, that's why they have a thing called a spotter when you go to the gym. You go in there thinking you 18 years old and you can get down there and get that 350 off that bench again and just hit it in the chest. And no, 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 no. I don't play like that. Give me a spotter. Two. I want one on both sides. Can't lift this. Matter of fact, 180. I mean, you should be able to lift your weight. I don't care what y'all say. Start out low. Uh, uh, uh. Don't pick it up until I say so. Don't break it until I say. I want the spot. Y'all who go to the gym, y'all understand what I'm talking about. Don't rush me. I don't need nobody. Yeah, baby, let's go, baby. No, 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 no. no. Hold on, big dog. Hold on. You keep that for you, man. I'm going to do what I know I can do. We have to get to a point where we can allow God to carry our burden. It'll be a whole different thing if they get down and they say, you know what, Pastor, just put your hands on it. We're going to pick it up and we're going to carry it for you. But they're expecting me to lift it. And if you're expecting me to lift it, let me nut you know I know my limits. The thing is that the God we serve has no limits. And so what we have to do with God is we'll sit on that bench, but we hands off. Make this thing happen, God. And he begins to lift. He begins to make things happen. But this is what has to take place. This is what has to take place if you want to allow this to happen. The first thing we find in verse 13, and it reads such as this. The Bible says, when the Lord saw her, he felt what? Compassion for her. And he said to her, what? Do not weep. The first thing that I need you to know today, this is something that you got to write down if you didn't write anything else down, is that if you really want to be blessed in the midst of your burdens, you have to accept his love. That's the first thing that you have to do is be willing to accept his love. The Bible says that when he saw her, he felt compassion for her. The reason he felt compassion for her is because he cared for her. The reason he cared for her is because he knew his father loved her. And as a result of it, he told her, do not weep. The biggest mistake that many of us will leave here today is that we will leave here thinking that God doesn't know what's best for me, not because God can't do all, not because God don't know all, but because I don't know if God really loves me. This is why many of us are not faithful to our relationship with God. This is why many of us obey our friends and our parents more than we obey God. This is why we, we bow to the world more than we bow to God is because we think that all of those other things love us. 
But we forget that God loved us first. The first way you ought to evaluate if somebody really loves you is if they love themselves. How do you know they love themselves? Because they should love God. If you got a person that everything that come out of their mouth is I, me, 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 what, uh, good, good, we did it, Instagram, whoop, all that, where's the God in that? Where's the God in that? Tell me about your relationship with God. What you mean? I mean, God know my heart. Oh, that's the first sign that maybe you don't have a right relationship with God. We know God knows your heart, but do you know the desires that God has for you? Do you know God's plan for your life? Do you know your purpose in the world? Because if you can't tell me those things, maybe you don't need to be leading my life. You ain't even got your life together. It's not saying no shade. I don't love you. I don't care about you. It's like, come on, baby, let's just get our lives together. And in order for us to get our lives together, we got to get right in the word of God because God's word is what shows me his love. See, I, I love talking about God's love. I, I was in a conversation with some believers the other day, and they asked me, how do you know God loves you? I mean, where do you see it? Just because John 3.16 says, I know it says that, but listen, can I tell you something? I saw God's love for humanity in Genesis chapter 1. What do you mean? It never said anything about love. There. See, that's where you mistake, because you think he got to say he loves me to show me he loves me. No, 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 no. In Genesis chapter 1, he took six days to create everything. On the sixth day, he created humanity. But before he created humanity, he made sure... The water was separated from the land. There was light by day and light by night. He made sure the birds in the earth, he put them beasts that belong in the sea, in the sea, because he knew they didn't want no problems with me. He made sure he made everything. He created a perfect place just so I can be created on day six. I talk about it all the time. When you see that special someone, Damon, when you found it, you know what you did. You cleaned up the house. You made up the bed. You cooked food. You did whatever you needed to do. Now, he might not do those things now. But he did what he needed to do because he knew that she was the one. I love her. I'm down. I'm, I'm there. I'm going to do everything I need to do. So I see God's love in Genesis chapter 1 through his preparation for me. Because if he didn't love me, he would have put me in a place that was dark and left me lost where I couldn't see. If he didn't love me, he would have let these beasts that seek to destroy me be right in my presence. If he didn't love me, he would have gave other things dominion over me versus me giving me having dominion over it. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't have never said that I needed you to be fruitful and multiply. He would have just said, I don't care what happens to you. You can live and die. But because he loves me, he created a perfect place for me. So if you want to make sure that you're not broken by your burden... You have to be willing to accept God's love. You have to be willing to forget who hurt you, who said they love you but didn't respect you, who said they love you but was never there for you. You got to let that go because they said they love you. God wants to show you he loves you. So he says to her, baby, I see you crying. I see you weeping, but don't weep. Now, I love what he does. He goes from a point of teaching us that we have to accept his love. He goes to a point in verse 14 and 15. 14 and 15 says this, and he came up and touched. He came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Catch this, verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. We have to be willing to accept his love, but secondly, we have to get to a point where we allow him access to the load. We have to be willing to allow him access to the load. Look at what happens. Jesus says, do not weep. She obviously may have stopped weeping. Maybe it was weeping a little bit more. Jesus then for doesn't ask for anybody permission. He touches the coffin. Touches the coffin. The Bible says that those who were carrying the load came to a halt. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all, Adrian, come, come, Adrian. Bring your camera. Come on, come on, come on. Damon, come on, D. Come on, Damien. Let's go. Come on. Uh, 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 come on, brother. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up. Get on the camera. Don't worry about it. I, I want to make sure that y'all understand what essentially happens. If, if I'm the dead man, y'all don't care me, Doc. I don't trust y'all like that. But if I'm the dead man, come on, come on, come on up here. 
and, and we are in transition, and they're carrying me, the problem. And they're carrying me, the problem. Jesus comes. Come on, Isaiah, because I'm going to trust that you love the Lord, and I'm going to act like you, you love Jesus. <laughs> Touch me. The min- Hold on. Go back. We're going to make this right. We're going to walk. Isaiah, when I get tw- close, come to the speaker. Come to the speaker. You're messing up my show. You're messing up my show. Come on. <laughs> right there. Right there. Back up. <laughs> Thank you. All right. When we're walking, when I come to you, Isaiah, touch me and we stop. Here we go. Everything stops. I want you to understand. I want you to understand. Everything stops. When Jesus has his hand on it, daddy can't take care of it no more. When Jesus has his hand on it, mama can't figure it out no more. When Jesus has his hand on it, your cousin, your boyfriend, whatever, can't figure it out no more. Everybody else has to stop. This is the problem with many of us. Come back, come back, come back. Jesus got his hand on our problem, but we trying to, come on, y'all, let's go. Let's go. No, 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 no. Stop what you're doing and let God work. This is why many of us fail, because when Jesus has his hand on it, we won't stop what we're doing. We pray, God, I need you to figure this out. God, I need you to make a way. Come on, help me get this problem over. I need to make something happen. We're steady asking God to do something, but the problem is that while we're asking God to do something, we're not trusting him to do it because we got to bring all these people into our business. Man, you know what I'm going through? You know what's happening to me? You know nobody really cares about me. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know what's going to happen. And the reason that we're doing this, because as long as we're focused on them, Jesus can't touch me. He can't touch me. He cannot be, he cannot utilize me for his glory because if he touches me while in the midst of them working, they get the credit for what happened, not him. Y'all can take a seat. They get the glory, not him. And so as a result of it, God says in the text, y'all got to reach out Bibles, man. There's some good stuff in here. He says in the text that when he touched it, everything else stopped. Everything else had to cease. Do you not understand that the winds obey the God that we serve? But in order for God to work, you got to allow God to work. Can't nothing else be in his way. And so we have to allow him to take on the low pastor. You just making up stuff because it sounds good. No, 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 no. Forget what the Bible says. Everything came to a halt in verse 14. Then in verse 15, he said, the dead man sat up and began to speak. And look what Jesus did. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. In other words, that for a moment, he was in Jesus's possession. And when Jesus fixed the problem, he gave it back. This is why we say that you have to allow God to have access to your load. You have to be willing to give it to him and say, God, you fix this. You work it out, God. I can't do nothing with it. I've tried so many ways. I've done my part. Now all I got left is that I have to have faith in you. Get to the point that we understand we have to accept his love. We have to allow him to have access to our load. Then we get to the last final point that we have to be willing to acknowledge his power. Oh, in verse 16, I love it. Verse 16, the Bible says it like this. Fear grip them all. And they begin, what? Glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. They didn't say, ooh, how? Ooh, why? Ooh, look at me. Look at what I did. No, 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 no. They said, I don't know where this came from. I don't know how it happened. But the reality of what I come to understand is that God did it. He's amazing. He's wonderful. I could not have done it by myself. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. They got to a point that they said, not only do I accept your love, not only do I give you access, but I am going to make sure that I acknowledge how great you are. This is why many of us never overcome, because we want the glory. We want to claim that we did it. I built it. I look back at this church and where we are now and all these amazing people sitting in this place. I know we're not 100% full to capacity, but can I tell you, just nine months ago, we didn't have y'all. This was not here. 
The walls were not up. We didn't even have our own building. We were setting up and breaking down every Sunday, frustrated and stressed out. But the fact of the matter is because I trusted him then, I can give him the glory now. Because I didn't do nothing to get you here. God has done it all by himself. And the reality is that when I can give God the glory in my life, then it opens me up for opportunities to receive even more. It opens it up for me to get so many more things because God can trust me. I coach a basketball team, and I struggle because on my basketball team, I got ball hogs. You don't play basketball, you might not know what that is. It's somebody that thinks they're so good that they can do it by themselves. I went out there, my old overweight self, I went to play basketball, and I took the scrubs of the team, played against the ball hogs of the team. And we beat them 14 to 2 because I realized and I taught them how we have to work as a team. They're faster than us. They're stronger than us. But we can break them down together. We went to passing that ball around, getting the ball up the court, and they didn't know what happened. And the first thing they came to say, well, it's because y'all got coach on your team. No, 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 no. We did it as a team. We worked this together as a team. I told them, listen, I ain't fast enough to keep running down there. I'm staying on defense. Y'all stay up there. We... We all acknowledged our position, and we played in our position. And as a result of it, we overcame. Y'all think this is something new. Y'all think this is something made up, but I want to tell you something. I want to make sure that you're under day, and I'll close on this, that, that God knew humanity had a burden and that they couldn't handle. He knew that they were gonna, he had something on his back, sin, that was so strong that he couldn't handle. So he offered him up. A solution. Some of you don't understand same principles that we're just talking about, accepting his love, allowing access to the load, acknowledging his power. The same process applies in the, in the road to salvation because he does what? He, ex, he gives us his love, the accepting factor. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believeth in him, believing equally accepting, should have everlasting life. This is what God says. Listen, things will get better if you're just willing to accept my son Jesus Christ because I love you enough that I'm sending you a redeemer. I'm sending you someone to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to make something happen because obviously I can't trust you to do it by yourself. But then he says, I not only want to give you the accepting factor, I want to give you the allowing factor because I want to make sure that you understand, even though I'm giving you Jesus, I still want you to allow me access. And I believe that the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that if you cast your cares upon the Lord, then he will show you that he cares for you. He will give you everything that you could possibly. The Bible tells us that he knows the desires of our heart. And so so we have to understand that we have to have, give him, allow him access to a load. And I can spend all day talking about the acknowledgement factor of how great he is. I already told you about Genesis. We can go talk about Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. But when they got kicked out of the garden, he didn't kick them out by themselves. He walked out right there with them. He says, I'm always with you, even until the end of the time. I can talk about how amazing he is when we talk about Noah building the ark and how he made things happen when the flood never water, never touched the earth. But that ain't enough. I can tell you how David knocked down Goliath. Ooh, y'all going to make me get Baptist up in here. I can tell you how David knocked down Goliath with just a rock. How can you do this when no one could slay him? It's so many things that I can tell you, but I can tell you how God saved a ranch like me. I can tell you how God brought me out of a place of nowhere and made some things happen for me. And as a result of it, I can say God is amazing. You can take this book and do what you want to do with it, but what you can't take is how I I know what God has done for me. You can't take my testimony. You can't take my story. You cannot take where God has brought me from because I was the one that nobody would want to fool with. I was the one that everybody would walk away from. But God says, no, 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 no. I see more in you than you see in yourself. And as a result of it, all you have to do is accept me. All you have to do is give me access that heart that you have that's so broken, that's so destroyed, just give me access to it. That marriage that you have that's so broken, just give me access to it. That job that is so broken, give me access to it. And the only thing I ask that when you give me access and I do what it is that I do, you just make sure everybody knows that it was me that did that for you. 
One thing you would have missed in the text, and we're closing right here. One thing you would have missed in the text is, yes, he showed that he loved her. Yes, he touched the casket, and everybody stopped. And yes, the man got up, and he gave him back to his mother. But one thing I noticed in verse 11 that I really love, and I'll just read it. Let that play. I'll just read it. It simply says this. Verse 11, soon after he went to the city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with them, accompanied by a large crowd. Accompanied by a large crowd. Yes, God blessed one woman to have back her son, which gives her provisions for her life. But everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. And the thing is, they could not deny it. God blessed so many people in that place on that day. He blessed the crowd because they got to see and experience the goodness of God. He blessed the boy who was dead and brought him back to life. And he blessed the mother so she didn't have to do life by herself. Whatever God does to you, for you, and through you is not just about you. My prayer is that when burdens, reactions come your way and you have to choose, will I be buried and broken or will I be built and blessed? But you make the decision that leads to being built and blessed. You say, God, I know that you love me. God, I'm going to allow you to handle this. And when you do, I will make sure everybody knows that it was you that did it. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.